0: I, I have practice on pronouncing this name right. Zaphnath Payaniah, the revealer of secrets, the interpreter of dreams. This is the name that Pharaoh gave to Joseph after Joseph interpreted his dreams. Dreams. I have dreams all the time. I dream, I don't know if I dream more than the average person, but I dream a lot. And they're weird, they're strange, I can't give an explanation um, for them, nor do I want an explanation for them. (laughs) Um, There's a couple of stress dreams that I have, probably at least once a month. month. Now. Somebody says, why are you stressed? Well, I shouldn't be. I realize that God's on the throne, but I still have these stress dreams. And there are two, two dreams that I have, I believe, at least once a month. One dream is that I dream that it's finals, and I'm getting ready to graduate, and there is a class that I've completely forgotten about, and I know I'm going to flunk it for sure, and I am very stressed out. And when I awake, it's such a relief. And the other dream I have is that I'm getting ready to preach and somebody has picked up my Bible. And I don't have my Bible. I don't have my notes. I'm getting ready to preach to some people. I'm thinking I'm going to have to wing it. And I don't want to do that. I always want to be well prepared. And uh, that is a very stressful thing to me to think of. That, and when I wake up, I'm so happy. It was a dream. I can relax once again. Well, I don't really put any stock in dreams. As a matter of fact, I've dreamed I should preach on certain things before. I didn't do it. I mean, my dreams, I don't trust them. Uh, I don't. The Lord speaks through his word now. He doesn't speak through dreams. He speaks through his word. And his word Is all I trust. Now, Pharaoh's dreams were not like that at all. They were dreams God gave him. They weren't just weird dreams, they were dreams that God gave him. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. This is two years after Joseph had interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, And fat-fleshed. And they fed in a meadow. Seven healthy, fat cows. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh. Their ribs were sticking out. You could tell they had not had proper nourishment. And stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river, and the ill-favored and lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprang up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. He evidently knew this meant something, and he didn't know what it meant. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there were none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. He remembered what had taken place two years ago. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream, and one night, I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream, and there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant, To the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream. He did interpret, and it came to pass as he interpreted us, so it was. Me, he restored into my office, and him he hanged. Now, this young man is Joseph. He's the man who accurately interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker in Genesis chapter 39. Now, Joseph is such a remarkable man. Everything he did was successful. He was successful as his father's favorite child. When he was betrayed by his brethren, brought into Egypt. He was successful in Potiphar's house. You remember how Potiphar turned everything over to him. He didn't even know what he owned. He entrusted everything to Joseph. And when Joseph is falsely accused and thrown into prison, the prison keeper entrusted everything to Joseph. He became the head of that prison. Now, I don't know whether anything like that has ever happened before or since then. He was successful in all that he did. And he successfully interpreted those dreams of the butler and baker. He told exactly what would would take place. And what I love to think of Joseph, he was a successful man. And that's not given to tell us of, his success, his success was because of his God. But understand this, he is a type, a beautiful and glorious type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever Christ does is success, successful. Any idea of Christ having his intentions frustrated is wrong. He's no failure. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. Everything he puts his hand to or has put his hand to or will put his hand to is necessarily successful because of who he is. He's the Lord's Christ. Now, after he gave these correct interpretations to Pharaoh, we're going to come back to that. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paeania and the first translation the Hebrew lexicon gives of that is the Savior of the world. Christ is called the Savior of the world. It's also translated abundance of life. Revealer of secrets. He revealed to Pharaoh the meaning. God's word speaking life. And certainly each of these titles could be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ who is successful. Aren't you thankful our Redeemer cannot fail? If he intends to save me, I'm saved without any question because he is the one that does the saving. Now, look in verse 14 of Genesis 41. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I can't interpret the dream. God will do it. And he'll use my mouth as a mouthpiece to give his interpretation. Verse 17. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph in my dream, Behold, I stood upon the brink of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven cows, fat-fleshed and well-favored. And they fed in a meadow, and behold, seven other cows came upon them, poor and very ill-favored, and lean-fleshed, such as I'd never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. I'd never seen cattle like this. And the lean and the ill-favored cows did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. But they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I woke. Now, these scrawny, rib-showing cows ate these big, fat cows. And they didn't look any different. They were just as lean-fleshed, just as weak and scrawny. Verse 22, And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered, thin and blasted, with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians. But there were none that could declare it to me. They had no idea. Now I'm asking you. I need an interpreter. And Joseph had already let him know, the interpretation is not in me. God will give you an answer. Verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. The two different dreams have the same meaning. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. I love that. You know anything that hasn't been done yet? It's what God is about to do. I wish we could read histories, newspapers, anything we read and realize whatever it is, it's what God is about to do. And that ought to put a little bit of excitement in our hearts to know that he does all things well and it's what he is about to do. That fills me with anticipation. You know, he may kill me in the next 15 minutes. I might drop dead while I'm preaching to you. I've always thought I'd like to go that way. But um, uh, everything is what he is about to do. What God is about to do, he showeth Pharaoh, verse 29. Behold, there came seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. Here's his interpretation. Those first seven years. There'll be seven years of plenty throughout the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten. Those seven skinny cows shall eat the seven fat cows and the seven skinny ears of corn shall eat the seven fat ears of corn and all those seven years of plenty will be gone. I've skipped some verses. Let me go back. Verse 26. The seven good kind are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one, the seven thin and ill-favored Cows that came up after the se- them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted, which the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I've spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do. He showed Pharaoh, Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. Times are good. Everything anybody could ever want. Seven years of that. Seven years of Plenty. No problems. Everything is great for a seven-year period. Seven years is a pretty long time. Seven years of plenty. And there shall arise, verse 30, after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land. What a famine this must have been. And as a matter of fact, we're going to find out as we go into the next chapter or the end of this chapter, it was a worldwide famine. Uh, People think of the uh, pandemic that has taken place in the last few years. This was much more severe. This was a worldwide famine where people were starving to death everywhere. It covered the whole face of the earth. Verse 31, And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it's because the thing is established by God. It's going to happen. There are no events that will keep this from happening. It's going to happen, and God will shortly bring it to pass. That's what these dreams mean. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then after that, there's going to be seven years of such severe famine that all those years of plenty will be forgotten. Verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh, let Pharaoh do this, let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through famine now here joseph displays his wisdom what to do during these seven years of famine take 20 percent of what we grow and save it so we'll have food during this worldwide famine that god is going to bring verse 37 and the thing was good in the eyes of pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Who could that describe? But the Lord Jesus Christ. God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him, He, as a man, was completely dependent upon the Spirit of God. Oh, how he had the Spirit of God. We have a measure of the Spirit. He had the fullness of the infinite Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, and what wisdom he displayed. And Pharaoh, verse 39, said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Now this is so beautiful. He went from being a prisoner to the most powerful man in the world. In one day, I kind of doubt that that's ever taken place, humanly speaking. He went from being in shackles in a prison to the most powerful man in the world. And you can't help but think the father's committed all things to the son. That's what Pharaoh said to Joseph. You're top dog. You're in control. The only way I'm going to be greater than you is in the throne. I'm still Pharaoh, and I think that has to do with the Lord saying, My father is greater than I. You remember there in John chapter 14, verse 38, when he said, My father is greater than I. Now, he's equal with the father. He, is, he said, I and my father are one, but he willingly submitted himself to his father. And oh, what glory there is. In his willing submission to his Father. You know, he achieved glory he would never have achieved had not he submitted himself to his Father. And he said, My Father, in uh, not, he's equal to the Father as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, but he submitted himself to his Father. Somebody says, What's that mean when the Lord says, My Father is greater than I? That's what it means. He sub- willingly Submitted himself to his father. And look what Pharaoh says: according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Isn't that the Lord Jesus Christ? According to his word, all people are ruled. All things are delivered unto me of my father, he said. Thou hast given him power over all flesh. This is such a glorious type of Christ. Look in verse 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Now this speaks of the absolute sovereignty of Jesus Christ. He is over all the universe. His will is always done. Think about that. His will was done in creation. Whatever happens in providence is His will being done. His will is done in salvation. The Son quickeneth whom He will. And this is who He is. This is given to typify the Lord Jesus Christ. Pharaoh said, I've set thee over all the land of Egypt. Look, verse, look at verse 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. And he put a gold chain about his neck and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. From being in prison, now look at him. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, picture him seated as the prime minister of the universe, the interpreter of the Father's will, the executor of the divine decrees, On his head, the scripture says, are many crowns. On his finger, the ring of absolute, uncontested sovereignty. Robes of light envelop the shoulders that hold up the government. The gold chain of omnipotence around his neck and the cry goes before him, bow the knee. Bow the knee. And I couldn't help Think of Philippians chapter 2. Now, if you haven't, if I haven't bowed the knee, we will. We will. I hope it's now. I hope right now in my heart I'm bowing the knee to King Jesus at his feet. But the scripture says, God hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth. Things under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice in verse 40. Thou shalt be over my house and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Um, My marginal reading says they shall kiss They shall kiss him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. When his wrath is kindled but a little and you perish from the way, kiss the son willingly. I I couldn't help but think of the woman who was a sinner kissing his feet. Verse 44. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. No one will take a step without your permission. I have made you Lord. Now you know this, this refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Zaphnath-Paneah. And he gave to, his, to wife Asenoth, the daughter of Potiphar, Potiphar priest of On. An. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now, Pharaoh gave him this new name, the Savior of the world, the revealer of secrets. And he gave him a wife. And this is God giving his son, the church, his bride. Let's look what happened. Verse 47. Verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before king of Egypt. How old was the Lord when he began his public ministry? He was 30. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. Can you imagine the plenty at this time? Just like God said it would be. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea Very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Now, he didn't just gather 20%. He gathered a whole lot more than that. And you're going to see that in later chapters where people from all over the world had to come to Joseph for food. Do you know that this was a worldwide famine and the only place there was food was in Egypt? And you were totally dependent upon Joseph to give you food. Now, this is the power of this man. Humanly speaking, if you were going to eat, it was up to him. And if you're going to be saved by his grace, it's up to him. But I love the way it's spoken of without measure, without number. That's talking about the riches of his grace. Now listen to me. You cannot be too bad to be saved. You cannot be too sinful to be saved Oh, the greatness, the infinite riches of his grace. You can't put a numerical value on it. You can't say it'll do this much. It's infinite. It cannot be numbered. Oh, the greatness of the salvation of our Savior. Verse 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, Pharah, priest of On, barren to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, which means forgetting. Forgetting. For God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, Joseph has these two boys. And you can be sure that he remembered the very severe things he's gone through. He was sold by his brethren. He was put into Potiphar's home and falsely accused, imprisoned. He had... um, Correctly interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker, and they forgot about him. And there he lays in prison again. And now he's brought out, and he has this son that he says, This makes me just forget everything. I just forget everything. All the toil, all the labor. All the evil things, all the mistreatment, all the terrible things that have been done to me, I forget them. Wouldn't that be a blessing if me and you do that just that tonight? Forget it. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I pressed for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have forgotten these things. And then you can't help but think of how that speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising, counting as nothing the shame. He forgot it all because of the joy that was set before him in glorifying his Father. He said, I've glorified thee on earth. I've finished the work thou gavest me to do. He forgot all the pain, and he endured pain that you and I don't know anything about. He was forsaken by his Father. He was made sin. He bore the full equivalent of an eternal hell and he says, I'm forgetting it because of the joy I have in glorifying my father and honoring him and obeying him and saving my people. I forget the pain. And then the name of the next is Ephraim. Ephraim. And what does Ephraim mean? Verse 52, in the name of the second, called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, you look how fruitful God caused him to be. I mean, he became the most powerful man on earth. God put him in that position. It was caused by God, but look what was done under his hand. He, God made him to be fruitful in everything he did, and I want you to remember this. As he typifies the Lord Jesus Christ, everything the Lord Jesus Christ does is fruitful. It's successful. Never think of Christ as someone who wants something, but he doesn't get it. Who intends to do something, but it doesn't happen. No, the Lord Jesus Christ is fruitful. Oh, the fruit of his death. Joseph says, you've caused me to be fruitful. Oh, the fruit fruit that Christ bore by his death. He forgot about what he had to go through because of the fruit, the fruit of glorifying God, the fruit of saving his people. Now I want to close by thinking about this. These two things, forgetting and fruitful. The gospel's in those two words. Forgetting and fruitful. Forgetting. God says to everyone of his people, their sins and their iniquities, what? I will remember no more. I have forgotten. This is not okay. And it shouldn't be. But boy, it's hard to forget things, isn't it? We should. But as long as we're human beings, we can truly be forgiving. But yet, remember, as a matter of fact, Joseph, when he did make himself known to his brethren in Genesis chapter 45, he said, I'm Joseph. I don't remember what you guys did to me. No, he said, whom you? So did Egypt. I remember. Don't think I don't. He did. Now, when God forgets something, it's not like our forgetting because it's still back there somewhere in our subconscious. Shouldn't be, but it is. But when God forgets, the reason he forgets is there is nothing there to remember. My sin is removed from me. That's what Christ did on the cross. He removed my sin. And when God looks at me, he sees someone who never sinned. He doesn't think, I remember what you did. No, it's gone. I have a new history. It's all forgotten. It's buried. It's cast behind God's back. It's separated from me as far as the east is from the west. It's blotted out. It is no more. That's what Jesus Christ accomplished when he said it is finished. My sin was blotted out. And I have a new history. And it's all perfect. It's all good. Because of what Christ did for me. You know, when I'm in heaven, and I don't, I can't grasp this, but I know it's so. God's not going to be looking at me and saying, I remember what you did. I remember what you thought. I remember your, no, I didn't do anything. I stand before God just. That's what justification is. Justification is sinlessness. You see, when Christ died, my sin was put away. It was canceled. It was blot out. It was made not to be. And God said, I've forgotten it. Not like me and you forget. He forgets it because there is absolutely nothing there to remember. Forgetfulness. Aren't you thankful for the forgetfulness of God? When he forgets. There's nothing there. For him to remember. And then he speaks of. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Now. When you start thinking about yourself in terms of bearing fruit, uh, you probably don't think, you know, I'm bearing a lot of fruit. I'm, I'm real fruitful. Uh, if you think that way, please uh, don't think that way. That's ugly. That's, uh, it's, it's just wrong. Uh, that being said, every believer bears the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer... You bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not your fruit, it's what's given you in the new birth. And you have a new nature. You have a holy nature. You have a nature that really does believe the gospel. I really do believe. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Faith. I love God. I really do. How much you love him? Not as much as I should, I realize that. I don't love him as much as I want to love him, but I do love him. I love everything with regard to the living God. I love who he is. I love all of his attributes. I love his power. I love his salvation. I love the way he saves. I love his sovereignty. I love his holiness. I love his justice. I love his love. I love his grace. I love his forgetfulness. It's fruitfulness. The fruit of God. One of these days, I'm going to be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. Now, I am right now in him, but I still got me here too. But one of these days, he's going to be gone. And I'll be perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about fruitfulness. Can't you see the gospel in these two boys' names? Forgetfulness. Oh, I'm so thankful for God's forgetfulness. I can't even enter into it. How he can look at me and say, you've never sinned. And it'd be so. It'd be so. The great mystery of the gospel, how God can be just and justify the ungodly, like we considered this morning. God forgets. Perfect history. You know, when I think of uh, preachers talking about... Uh, Rewards in heaven, like a believer is going to be judged, uh, and they're going to be given a particular position in heaven. Some up here that had really good fruit, and then the then you got the uh, ones that were kind of disobedient and un, you know they Christ wasn't really. Uh, and I remember one time hearing a preacher say, "It'll be that way, but it won't bother you." And I thought that bothered me. <laughs> Bothered me a whole lot. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, every believer is holy and unblamable and unreprovable in God's sight. That's what God says. So Joseph went through these difficult years betrayal, false accusation. Thrown into prison. The scripture says they hurt his feet with fetters. It wasn't an easy situation. But when he's brought into this glorious position. As the prime minister of Egypt. The most powerful man in the world. He says God's made me to forget my affliction. And he's made me fruitful. And child of God. If he saved you. He's made you fruitful. You have the fruit of God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for our Redeemer, the one whom Joseph typifies the one who is the Savior of the world, the one who does reveal the secrets of the gospel and makes them known, the one who causes you to forget our sins because they're no longer there because of his precious blood and causes us to bear the fruit of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. Bless this message according to your will for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray.